Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. I thought we had a great work today until the special teams, right at the end of the special teams period. I have no idea what that was, but that's enough of that crap. You know, that's not good for football. That's not good for anything. So uh, that's the end of that. That's the end of that practice session. To say the least, John Gruden uh, today, just a little while ago, actually, uh, out at the Raiders Hotel. Can't say where it was, but it's a nice hotel. I got to say that. I can definitely say that. Uh, the Raiders are, uh, have some nice digs here in Southern California. But John Gruden, after today's practice, which was cut short by about an hour, talking about the fight that started uh, toward the end of a special teams uh, session, which over these last couple of days, that seems to be the culprit more and more is the special teams periods. Uh, that's when the shenanigans start. It started today, uh, about halfway through the practice. Uh, there was a big skirmish. There were definitely some punches thrown, guys getting thrown around. They broke them up, uh, the Rams and Raiders, on day two of their joint practices. And then they came charging back at each other. Uh, it was kind of comical. Uh, in a little bit of a way, uh, but then that's when John Gruden ordered the horn to be blown. That was the end of practice. The Ra- Raiders got on their uh, buses, headed back to their hotel, and uh, called a day. So, uh, oh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're on, we're on Raider, Na- Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday, a feisty Thursday. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy, you just heard from from John Gruden talking about. Uh, there's, yes. there's some more. I have I have some more. Uh, it didn't end there. Uh, we we talked a little bit more to John uh, about today, uh, and and how it went and how it got cut short. And from a coaching perspective, these guys want to get their work in, and they get tired of having to break things up time and time again. And John just simply had enough and said, "That's it. We're going home." <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah. Well, you know, not not surprised at all. Uh, the, the the fact is is that usually it, it usually is day two that you get a little bit of a feisty attitude from from uh from from your players, and it's it's nothing. You know, that's see that's what's so difficult about the joint practices. You get good competition out of it when you get your work done, but there is going to be some attitudes. And from your report yesterday. As you're saying, how it seemed you know, one-sided that it was in the Raiders' favor. I'm sure the Rams players came out with a little bit of an attitude on day two, and that's what you know pushed them over the top. So, not surprised. Um, not surprised at all. Uh, not surprised at all. No doubt about it. And um, what was interesting was, you know, you knew it was going to happen. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And you know, talking to like Darren Waller and guys, um, you know, there's egos out there. Uh, yeah. uh, just and, uh, just as you mentioned, uh, there there's egos. There's Type A personalities. There's a New Jersey, a different Jersey. Uh, right. You're trying to hold your ground. You're trying to fight for your teammates. Um, and none of which John Gruden wanted to hear. And here's John Gruden talking about the quote unquote message that needed that he needed to send to his team. Uh, afterwards there's no message you know they know they know better everybody knows better and again it wasn't everybody fighting it'll be on tv you'll see a bunch of guys screaming and yelling but it was two guys in a special teams period and then it was a lot of trash talking that escalated uh it's just sickening really it's just stupidity but i'm done with that it's just child's play to me 
there's a John Gruden in no uncertain terms. But I got to say this, Lincoln, uh, I get that from a coaching perspective, and he's correct. He's right. It is childish. It's kind of dumb when you think about it. Um, you know, when you really break it down, it's it's it, it is kind of silly when you think about it. But we all know the reasons for it, and so there is there's an understanding of it as well. But I will say this, Lincoln Kennedy, and I will submit this to you, Lincoln Kennedy. I think there's something positive that comes uh, out of that. And what I saw from the Raiders over these last two days almost from the moment they got off the bus on both days, they wanted to compete. They wanted to fight. They wanted to, um, you know, kind of prove themselves a little bit, maybe, maybe even prove something a little bit to themselves. Uh, but, but I, and I noticed this because uh, when I got to the hotel where the Raiders were, I went through my Twitter feed and there's Josh Jacobs tweeting out. I love this team. All right. So he was obviously tweeting from the bus heading back to the hotel from the practice facility. When I ran into, when I talked to uh, Josh Jacobs uh, later on, uh, when he talked to the media, I said, so you, you send this tweet out, I love this team. Was that in reference to how, how guys had each other's back? And he's like, absolutely. In fact, this is what he said, and we'll talk about it in, uh, right after uh, uh, we play this out. Definitely had it about how, how the whole situation was handled. Um, I mean, if you look at our guys and you see how we reacted and you see they guys and how they just let some things happen, I mean, I like the fact that our team got a, a, the fighting spirit and not only that, but they had each other's back. So, yeah, it was definitely huge. Um, Lincoln, you know, Josh Jacobs tweeted that, and then a whole bunch of teammates liked it and retweeted it. Um, it's getting harder and harder to ignore how close this team is becoming. Um, I don't know if it means anything, Lincoln. It might not mean squat uh, in the whole scheme of things. It might not amount to one more win uh, in the whole scheme of things. But it's hard to ignore how close this team is. And it's a, it seems like it's a bunch of young guys outside of a couple of older veterans that are kind of coming into their own, that are starting to feel um, ownership of this team and a, a sense of belonging in this league. And I think the way they rallied around each other over the last two days is, um, is, is something that not to be taken for granted. Every coach that I've ever played for has always – try to instill the philosophy that we are one. We are a family. We win together. We lose together. We play together. We fight together. And that's been the, 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 the philosophy throughout my career. It doesn't matter what level you're on. I told you yesterday that, you know, or the, the day before when we, when we started talking about this, the possibilities practice, I told you that there was one saying that was synonymous in the locker room especially when I was a Raider. If one of us fights, we all fight. You see, you don't stand on the sideline and watch and talk. No, you get in there. You're, you're, you're in it. If it's, if it's a pile on the rabbit, pile on the rabbit. Everybody's in there because it'll show up on film. So what you're seeing right now or what you're hearing and what you're talking about, especially from Josh Jacobs' words, is that this is one team. And, no, Gruden doesn't like the fact that you had to cancel practice or stop practice, Get your you can't get your work done because you've, you've got, you know, guys fighting. Look, no matter the way, any way you paint it, fighting itself is stupid. All right? It's it's unnecessary. It, it is. There's no doubt about it. And I, and I can't deny it. It's unnecessary. It's dumb. It doesn't matter how it started. It doesn't matter what happened. Fighting takes up time, can get people hurt, 
You've got people swinging in helmets, hitting pads and stuff like that. You can do all kinds of uh, damage uh, to yourself over something that's something stupid. Right. But, but I will say this. There are times where it brings you closer as a team because you look around and you say, these guys got my back. And that's what you want. You see what I'm saying? That's that's what you want. Yeah, it's dumb. It, it It's a waste of time. I get it. But you want to see that your teammates have your back and they are going to ride with you. Don't care who started it. Don't care how it happened. You fight, we fight. That's what you want. That's what you want in a game situation. That's what you want in a locker room. That's you want, what you want in a team situation. And so, you know, that's the, the takeaway. There'll be guys. I played with guys that would start fights just to get out of practice. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know what? I'm not the one who started it, but I'm going to be in there. I get it. So it's all part of the the maturing process. It's all part of coming together. And just like you spoke on yesterday, Vinny, when you looked at the team, you talked about the team as a general. These guys are playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they want to be successful, and they're tired of hearing the banter. They're tired of hearing the talk, the nonsense. Otherwise, they want to be they want to be successful. They need to do it together because you can't do it as individuals. That's not going to work. I want to throw something at you, uh, Lincoln. Um, you know, I've gotten to know some guys from that 2019 draft class, right? And uh, it, it's it, and it's it's been a while now since you know I've gotten to know them, talk to them, you know that sort of thing, kind of get. You know, a little bit of an insight on, on, on what's going on. And um, what was really interesting to me was how together that 2019 group really is amongst themselves. And um, to the point where when they kind of first met each other, uh, probably at that first rookie um, you know program that, that they had with the Raiders uh, back in 2019, they kind of got together as a group and kind of mandated to themselves and have, and have held them selves to this from that point on that they were going to be part of the foundation that changed this thing around that got this thing turned around you're talking about guys that went to alabama you're talking to josh jacobs two uh, three guys from clemson that were i think coming off the national championship that year alec ingold was from wisconsin i think they won 44 games in his four years there i think they want to they either challenged for a Big Ten championship or they played in the Big Ten championship game while he was there. It's a nice program. It's not Alabama, but they win at Wisconsin. There's a winning culture at the University of Wisconsin. And you go on down the list of guys that they brought in in 2019, whether they were the draft class or the undrafted free agency class. And they have held each other's feet to the fire in terms of getting this thing turned around. Um, now, here's the key, though. You, you, you can you can try to do all that um, when you're a younger player, but a lot of times guys are just going to kind of look at you and like, um, who are you? Again, uh, yeah, I, I've never, you know, you haven't done anything in this league. Uh, so, you know, don't come barking up that tree with me. Uh, so, you know, and so they were humble about it. They didn't do that. They weren't going to be overly, um, you know, uh, uh, powerful with it to, to, their, to the rest of their teammates. It was kind of a promise that they made amongst themselves. Well, now they're in year three, Lincoln, and that's become kind of the foundation of the team when you really think about it. There's a lot of guys from that 2019 class, a bunch of starters, Andre James, uh, the new center, the, the punters from that class, Ingold, J uh, Josh Jacobs, Trevon Morig, Jonathan Abram. You know, I could go on and on. It's it's the foundation of this team. And they, they're starting to take ownership 
of this team in a lot of ways. Yes, Derek Carr is the face of the franchise. He'll always be the face of this franchise. It's typically how it works with the quarterback. But there's also a heart and soul of a team. And I think that 2019 class is starting to be that heartbeat of that soul and that heart. Um, do you, do you, do you, can, you, can you see that kind of unfolding that way? Can you imagine being Cleveland Farrell coming off of a national championship team, being drafted in the first round with the fourth pick, I think it was, and people saying that's too far, that's a stretch. Why did you take him here? He doesn't deserve to be there. Um, can you imagine Josh Jacobs after what he went through in his young uh, young life, you know, living out, in and out of his car, the, the story, you know, the history behind it, being drafted yeah. in the first round, you know, after coming out uh, through the Alabama program a year early, coming out as a junior. Can you imagine if you're Jonathan Abram being compared the fact that you, the, the, the Raiders just got rid of Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, you know, two iconic f- names because they're turning over the roster. I say that to say this. That draft class coming in, when they came in, had a lot of weight on their shoulders. Had to carry a lot. And it's still the focal point because now you're waiting for to see the next step. The Raider Nation has been pro- profound in the, uh, ty- the type of attention the type of, you know, everything and, and the transition from Oakland to Las Vegas carries the weight on its own. This is a iconic franchise. You know what I mean? This is yes. one of those those franchises that does not, will not sit, you know, idle long before they want to make noise. The Raider Nation has backed these guys that you're, you're speaking of. You know, Max Crosby comes off of a stellar rookie year to have somewhat of a subpar year his second year. Wasn't necessarily any fault of his own. He was still out there playing, but it was it was the fact that teams were dedicating more attention to him they did in his rookie year. We go we go down the list of players. Players want to prove themselves. Players want to hear, you know, whether it's it's this current draft class or the last couple of everybody is is under a microscope because they want to see how this pays off. Raider Nation wants to see how this pays off. The Raider Nation is calling for more wins. We ourselves in this business talking about this team are calling for more wins. It is what it is. It'll happen or it won't. You see what I'm saying? So when you talk about playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, playing with a little bit of an attitude, absolutely I see it, as they should. You know, there, there's, yeah. there's, there, there's not a guy who's come from a program in college. I remember coming out of Washington when I got drafted by Atlanta. I mean, I think we, we, we didn't win out any of our first six games, six, seven games my rookie year. I was not used to that. I was not used to losing. I was not used to losing that consistently. So I didn't know how to, to, to handle it. So I can get in. I, I can understand exactly what you're saying when it comes to you know references of these guys playing with a little chip on the shoulder as they should. And I'm hoping that it translates to the season. I hope this team is successful. Not only does it give us something to talk about, but you know more importantly, it gives them a better feeling to feel about. Absolutely, we're gonna go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Sway wants to talk about Trayvon Mullen. How you doing, Sway? How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to just to, I haven't really heard anything on him yet, um, this, this this training camp, um, but I know that we've been talking up our defense. Um, just wanted to 
I was hearing uh, Cooper Cup's name yesterday, man. I wonder wonder where where my guy Trayvon Mullen's been at. Um, and then, yeah, just to piggyback anything on uh, how Cleveland Farrell's Cleveland Farrell's been doing as well, too. If you could jump on that, no, I appreciate. You got it, a thank brother. You. Yeah, you got a brother. A um, couple things. Trayvon Mullen's steady Eddie, if you ask me. Uh, that dude is just a. Um, you know, you plug him in there, and uh, he quietly does his job. There's not a, not a lot of bravado. Um, sometimes there's no not a lot of recognition, but it's because he's 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 doing his job, um, and he's not giving up a lot in, in training camp so far. Not giving up a lot of big plays. Didn't see him give out much of anything uh, against the Rams, let alone you know uh, uh, guys picking on him, throwing at at, at his way. So uh, I think what what you get in Trayvon Mullen. More and more is just consistency. Is a level of play um, that's that's very consistent, and that's what uh, his coaches have been talking up about him um, and and his growth into a. I thought he was a very solid player last year, um, and I just think that he keeps stacking up, you know, good days and stacking up, you know, better years. And I think he's in position to really uh, uh, turn a big corner uh, this year. In terms of you mentioned Cooper Cup. Uh, Got to give it up to Trayvon Morig, uh, the free safety. Uh, Lincoln, this guy, every single day lately, uh, does something that makes you go, wow, okay. Uh, today, he gets isolated on Cooper Cup, who we were talking about yesterday. He's kind of a magician uh, out of the slot. One of the best slot wide receivers in the NFL, straight up. Uh, so they, they roll out uh, Matthew Stafford to his left, okay, thinking that everything is going to go over there. And... Meanwhile, Cooper Cup is isolated on somehow, some way on Trayvon Morig all the way to the right. Okay. And and Cooper Cup is doing his thing. And Morig was with him stride for stride. Matthew Stafford plants, turns, and throws to his right while he was running to his left. And Trayvon Morig is right there to jump up and uh, go up with Cooper Cup and knock the ball down. It was, a, it was, I mean, knowing who that wide receiver was, knowing who that quarterback was, knowing what they were trying to do right there kind of get him into a false sense of security that the play was moving in one direction when in fact it was it was going back to Cooper on the opposite side. Trayvon Mor- Mullen being or Trayvon Morig being where he needed to be to make the play again after a couple of picks yesterday. This guy just keeps showing up, Lincoln. Yeah, you know what that that play that you're mentioning seems to be like I said it's a cookie cutter league. Seems to be a lot of teams are doing it. I, I, I remember watching the 49ers in their preseason game, and Trey Lance did the exact same thing, where he rolls out one way and throws back across his body to a wide-open receiver because the defense is sleeping. So you're starting to see a little bit more of that. But it's great awareness. It's also great paying attention to the details, not letting, as you mentioned, the sway of the play to just take you you know, out of your out of your right fixture. You stay on your guy. Um, so that, that's a great heads-up play by by. Uh, Trayvon yeah and it's just it's it's more proof um that he's you know moving in the right direction right uh, it has it's been a while now since like when they first started training camp uh Dalen Levitt was was getting the reps uh as the starter at free safety although you know um Morg was was basically split in time with them well that's all over with now it's been Morg as the uh as the first team safety free safety for a while now um and and meanwhile Jonathan Abram, and it's interesting, uh, uh, Lincoln, he and Jonathan Abram are kind of joined at the hip. Wherever one goes, the other's there. Good. Every time, you know, when they do their reps, they come off the field and they stand. In fact, I took a picture of it today uh, at practice. They're, they're, they're with each other 
at all times, talking, communicating, talking things out. And we had great access over these last couple of days. I might as well have been in the, the defensive, you know, huddle uh, on the sideline because all you're hearing on the sideline was guys instructing each other, guys talking to each other. What happened? What did you see? He did a dig. Okay, that guy was on the fate. You know, like you're hearing what they're saying and what they're talking about. And, um, you know, it being a practice, what I was really impressed with Lincoln was just how um, dialed in guys were. It's right. just a practice, you know, and we say that sometimes, it's just a practice. But I, they took it seriously. And I think you, you know, when you're a team like the Raiders, these are moments you, you have to take every minute seriously because that's all going to translate, Lincoln, onto the field on Sunday. Yeah. One way totally or another, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, it was a, a good couple of days. Kind of got cut short yes, uh, earlier today. I don't think John Gruden minded all that much. I'm going to double check <laughs> how he really feels about it. I think he might have been a little bit happy about how, uh, in some aspects of, of, of what happened and how guys had each other's back. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday, a hot and heavy Thursday, out in Thousand Oaks. It was pretty fun today. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I love it. I love it. Uh, so he'd be right next to me all the time, like in the locker room. He's like not too far. Um, but, I mean, I love him. I love his energy. Um, I love the, I just love the way he played the game. I mean, he, he has that never quit attitude like wanting to be a better player and um he fly around i mean you can see the confidence in this game i just try to talk to him every chance i get telling me he's doing a good job and just to keep stacking days um so yeah man, i'm excited to see a lot of them rookies especially the the, the dbs they, they've been playing pretty good so i try to stay in the air a little bit you know what i'm saying tell them i, I notice them in just to keep improving that is Josh Jacobs, Raiders running back, uh, talking about Nate Hobbs, who uh, had the sack on Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks. Well, uh, if it was a real game today, he would add another sack coming off the edge, just like he did uh, against the Seahawks uh, on a little bit of a corner blitz that the Raiders dialed up. Um, he easily would have sacked uh, Matthew Stafford. Obviously, you can't touch the quarterbacks in these settings, so uh, he did the right thing and pulled off, but... If it had been a real game, watch out, Matthew Stafford, because uh, that would have been face into turf without question. It was on the off the blind side. Uh, so good on Nate Hobbs and, and Lincoln. You know, between Hobbs, we just talked about Trevon Morig. Um, you know, it's it's early, and uh, you know, we always have to preface this with saying it's got to start on September 13th. That's when we'll really find out about a lot of these guys. But you know, quietly and efficiently. These young players are making, um, you know, making plays in camp. They're 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 doing what they should be doing at this point. And I need to ask you this: You've been around training camps. You've played in training camps. Uh, at what point can you kind of start telling, especially when it comes to a young guy? And I know you probably hated rookies. I'm going to put those words in your mouth. I think you've, <laughs> you've said that before. But at what point, honestly? You know, when you're over there kind of out of the corner of your eye watching some of the younger players uh, on your team, you start realizing that that guy over there might have a little something to offer pretty soon. Well, you're, you're hoping that you see it pretty early. You're hoping that they get it. You're hoping that they show up. You're hoping that they do everything right, especially when you're looking at young guys. You know, when you go as a veteran, when you're on a team and you 
look at the, 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 the draft and you spend a first, second, third, fourth pick, whatever, however you want to go, you're hoping that these guys will pay off. You're hoping that they can contribute. They, they can buy into the program. They can contribute because the reason why you drafted them is the reason that you needed to fill that position. So you're hoping that they get it. So the earlier, the better. And as we talked about in, the, in, in, in an earlier segment, is that you you want to see um, you you want to see you're able to function as a team, you're able to come together as a team. And a guy who comes off of a college football field, you want to see that he gets it early. Yeah, no question about it. And um, you know, in, in in Trayvon's case, it's just and and you know, we talked to Darren Waller about him. They've been match up more than a few times. You know how safeties uh, have to eventually uh, move over and, and pick up the tight end. Uh, sometimes run off the line of scrimmage or, right. or if they crack, crack, uh, you know, cross over into their area of the field. Uh, but Darren Waller has been keeping an eye on Trayvon Morg uh, himself. And here's here's Darren Waller talking about the young rookie from DCU. Yeah, I mean, just a, a very calm presence about him. You know, it's not like he doesn't have to be loud or anything, but at the same time, you know, he just lets his play do the talking. Uh, and that's those are the kind of guys that you know I just you know respect from from the gate because you know it was, it's a very ego driven game as you can see everybody's fighting and everything but you got guys like him that can just be quiet you know like quiet assassins you know and just go out there and just handle their job and I just respect that so much uh, but yeah I'm just excited to see him go out there and just patrol center field and go red line to red line. That's Darren Waller talking about Trayvon Morg and and again more and more Trayvon Morg and Nate Hobbs. Uh, are showing up, and that's what you need to see. You need to see guys flashing um, in, in camp. You need to, especially now as we're starting to close in on obviously the end of this preseason and the start of the regular season. It's building blocks, and it's a daily process. Uh, it's a practice by practice process, and the more we're seeing of them, the more they're settling in and starting to show up the way you want to see a young player at the positions that they play show up. And it's funny. Yeah. Like, you, know, you know, with any, here, here's the thing I'll add to what you're, what you're talking about, because I remember yeah. talking to Zach at the facility when they draft the draft night and how Zach Crockett, one of the, the, the scouts and, and Mike Mayock, the, how excited they were that these picks had fell into their hands, that these guys had fell into their hands. They were there when they expected them to be there, and they, and they were got they got it. You know, there was so much talk about Alex Leatherwood with the first pick, but then you follow it up with Morgan and everything else. It, it's just these guys were excited because they felt, they, they you know, they paid attention to the secondary. We knew the secondary needed help, and, and, and now, now they've got young contributors who know how to play, who know how to play the game at a, at a high speed and know how to, to, to do things. And it's, it's really a good thing moving forward because it, it helps fill the holes that were blaringly obvious uh, uh, in this team last year. I want to throw a name at you, and you tell me uh, how much of an effect a guy like this could have on a young player uh, as he's you know, being groomed at a certain position. Nate Hobbs' head coach at Illinois was Lovey Smith for four years. I right. mean, does it, you know, when you, and, and Lovey Smith, obviously a defensive mastermind. He's back in the NFL as a defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. But specifically, his, his first, I think, job was as a secondary coach, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. He knows <laughs> what it takes to be right. a good player at that position. How much do you think it benefits a guy like 
Nate Hobbs to have played under Lovey Smith for four years in college? There are a lot of times, and I think you know the short answer is that it benefits a lot because there are a lot of times we've watched this sort of administration, coaching staff, and scouting staff go after guys or go with the programs that are coached by guys who had pro experience who have had some semblance of how it's to do on the second level because they know that teaching, that tutoring will be will be passed down, will be handed down. I mean, you know, look at for what it's worth, the intangibles, Nate's what, six foot one? You don't see a lot of corners as you know, that good size, about two hundred and five pounds, two hundred and ten pounds, wherever he's at. Yeah. Good, it's good size. You see what I'm saying? So it, it's it's one of those things where you're you're you say, okay, this is a good size. He's got good tangibles, he's got good technique, and he's got good basics that we can build upon because he came from a program that was coached by a coaching staff that has pro experience. Right. And, you know, he's making the switch to inside. We talked to him, talked to him about that uh, on Saturday after the game. He had, a, he had a nice game Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks. And what he likes about moving inside is that he, he's like, it's kind of half cornerback, half linebacker. Uh, you've got from the slot, you've got so much, responsibility in the run game you you have to run fit in the run yeah. game uh, as basically almost a, 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 another linebacker uh, out there when it, when when the play rolls in, in that direction but you mentioned that he's 64 205 it's it's a it's a well put together yeah. 61 205 yeah. he's not a small guy and so uh, i think he'll be able to hold up uh, in in that in that slot position so uh, by the way um, Damon Arnett has been playing well as well. And mm -hmm. uh, like, I don't know if you've seen him recently, like if you stood next to him uh, recently, but he's, he's significantly bigger than he was last year, especially to end the season. And I don't think we got a chance to talk about this much, um, you know, uh, after everything kind of settled down and the off season came about, but you know what, in, in retrospect, when you think about Damon Arnett, here's a guy that, you know, is playing the first three games of the season with a club on his hand. We all right. remember that and the pain that he was in. Then he undergoes surgery and um, is, is on the shelf for about eight weeks. Um, and then he comes back, and I'll never forget the first day that he did come back uh, at the indoor facility in, in Henderson. I looked at him. He looked kind of frail to me, like, like relatively mm -hmm. speaking, you know, in, in NFL terms. Right. He just looked frail. And I was like, oh, boy, this could be a, a problem. Well, as, it, as it turns out, you know, when you put – some common sense to it. You can't lift weights and maintain strength and weight and good weight when you can't lift weights without right. because you have a, you have a, a hand injury. And so that's why, like last year, was such a tough year for him. But also from an assessment standpoint, uh, Lincoln, kind of hard to 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 figure out anything or make any kind of a hard call on David Arnett, given the injury that he dealt with and how it set him back in a lot of different ways, not just the on-field development, but but a very key component in all of this in being able to maintain your strength, maintain your weight, maintain your um, you know, power, uh, because that all left him. And by the time he came back, he was a shell of himself in that regard. Well, I'm sure that he's heard a lot of the banter that's going around surrounding him, how the Raiders were not necessarily pleased with him. I mean, they went out and they signed Casey Hayward. And thrusted him out of it. You know, you look at the depth chart. He's he's started the, the starting corner in front of him. So he's probably got a lot to prove. More importantly, because it was somewhat of a subpar year, I honestly think that he was playing out of position. He, it, it was not a conducive defense for his strengths or his talents that they were trying yep. to play last year. So, you know, I'm not necessarily blaming him totally. But, 
He's got some. He's got some things that he has to do. He's he's got to prove his worth, his value, especially being a number one draft choice. Uh, and it's 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 got to happen sooner rather than later. We told the story last week, Lincoln, uh, but we talked to Damon Arnett, and um, as he was as he was waiting in the little waiting room uh, to come out to talk to us in the media room, John Gruden was exiting. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I could see what was going on in that little room, and they kind of you know uh, shared a handshake, and and and. Gruden says to David, I kind of want to sit here and listen to what you have to say, you know, because right. I know it's going to be something entertaining, right? So right. he gets out onto the uh, up on the podium and, we, you know, we go through our normal questions. Then we ask him about Gruden and about their relationship. And this is what he said. He said they get along because, you know, yeah, yeah, let's face it, you know, we, we, we both got a few screws loose. He, mm-hmm. He's like... He's like, I probably have a few more screws on the floor than he does, like sitting out there on the floor. But we kind of connect in in in, the, in this in this sort of way. And you know, you played for John Gruden, yeah. right? And I know that there's an image of him, and I know that there's a lot, uh, you know, uh, that that people write about him, say about him, assume about him. Uh, but I think at his core, and he could be a he could drive a hard bargain. I saw it on the sidelines these last couple of days. If you make a mistake, he's gonna let you know about it in no uncertain terms. But I also think, and just talking to some players, I think there's a lot of they, they like the guy, and he, you know, he's he's 58 years old, just turned 58 yesterday or the day before. But he's he he's 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 a kind of a young uh, 58 years old, you know, and he still tries to connect with the younger generation. How was he? And at that time, he was a much younger man. But how was he? to play for in that regard, and especially relationships uh, that he had with players. Grudel was passionate, and he was fun to play for. As a player, he was fun to play for because he, he made – there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot, a lot of looseness to the game. He wasn't one of these, you know, four-hour warmonger coaches that wanted to put you in pads and pound the hell out of you. We got work done. We, it was a very favorable system, especially to veterans. Uh, but he, you could see how passionate he was. Now, I watched the whole Chucky persona develop. I was there. I was there from day one when the, the camera first went on. I mean, you saw the facial, you know, the, the frictions, the way they did. He did things on the sideline and the whole Chucky persona that was developed therefore after why the camera loved him. And it's pretty much the same reason why a bunch of players, the players love him. They love playing for him. But by no means are you going to get he's not going to let you slide if you're not performing the way you're supposed to. So that, that, that's important. Absolutely. No question about it. By the way, we've got two tickets to give away uh, in the five o'clock hour uh, to the Dane Cook concert. Oh, Dane Cosmo. Cook. Nice. Yeah, Dane Cook, um, a funny comedian, mm-hmm. a big fan of his. He's, he's performing over at the Cosmo uh, on Saturday, August 21st. We've got a pair of tickets and we are going to uh, give them out to caller number seven. So uh, be around at the five o'clock hour. And the seventh caller from at that point will get a pair of tickets to go see Dane Cook uh, at the Cosmo. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Raider great Lincoln Kennedy. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Yeah, it's good to be out there just, you know, practicing, making it through the full practices. Uh, feeling good now. Feel like I'm over the hump of the little bit of discomfort that I was feeling. So, I think everybody was breathing a sigh of relief uh, when Darren Waller showed back up to practice this week, and he's been a full participant 
uh, during the joint practices or, or was a full put participant uh, during the uh, joint practices the last two days against the Rams. Uh, torched some guys uh, without question. It's kind of a, when you see it on the sideline, Lincoln, uh, and that's where we were, um, and, and against another opponent when they're, when they're trying, when they're, you know, obviously it gets jacked up uh, when there's a different jersey out there. But when you see the speed and the size of Darren Waller on the sideline, uh, I'll, I'll say this I would hate to be a defensive back lined up face to face, nose to nose, or in any region alongside. Number eighty-three. It's it's pretty freakish, isn't it? I I, I remember the first time he donned a, a Raiders uniform, and he ran that little you know, fly sweep. I was saying to myself up in the booth, like, why are they giving it to a tight end? But when he got to the speed, the outside, I was like, oh my goodness, where who is this guy? Uh, and then I heard, started, you know, following up and reading the information that he, you know, being a Baltimore Raven, how you know they they kind of got rid of him because of his off the field issues, and and it was it was a little bit of it was actually a treat for the Raiders to pick him up because he's one of those tweeners. Like I, and I call it tweener because you don't you don't see that type of talent out of guys his size. And his mentality quite often, his capability. And that's, you know, it, it really, it really begins to, I mean, plays havoc on defenses because how do you guard him? Who do you, who do you use to guard him? A, a, a corner, a, usually a corner or a safety isn't phys, physical enough, can't stay with them. Linebackers aren't quick enough, can't run with them. So who do you, he's one of those tweeners. I'm, I'm so glad the Raiders have him because that's a weapon, especially in this today's game. The slot receiver and the tight end can have a profound effect on the efficiency efficiency of an offense. We've seen it out of you know Travis Kelsey and other guys in, in, in the league, but you get that you, know, you get that out of a slot. You get that production out of a tight end and a slot receiver. There's nowhere that you can you know, anywhere you line him up, he's a mismatch. Mismatch if defense aren't playing attention to him. Yeah, and uh, and the thing is like, that you know. I, you just mentioned his speed, which is like absurd for a guy that that that's that big. You're just you don't expect it, you know, and right. and you just don't. Not from somebody that's that tall. But then on top of that, his catch radius is unbelievable. Yeah. His leaping ability is crazy. He's strong, yeah. um, so he can fight you for the ball if you want to go play some basketball and go up and get the rebound uh, alongside him. Um, and he runs really good routes, so yeah. he's the complete package um which is why you know i know a lot of people were freaking out when he missed a couple of weeks of practice um i knew because i'd seen him off to the side uh i knew that it wasn't anything all that serious but obviously significant enough where they weren't going to rush him back um but i did ask him today you know hey were there were were you a little bit worried you know when when you had to kind of sit out that amount of time and what was going through your head and here's darren waller talking about the process of getting back this week Yeah, nothing major. It was just um, frustrating because, you know, I always want to be out there working. And it's like, you know, within the last couple of years, like 2019, I don't think I missed a practice. In 2020, I missed like a couple during the season. So it's like, you know, I want to be out there. But it's at the same time, it's like maybe sometimes I do need to sit still for a little bit because it's a long season and just preparing for that. You know, like in hearing him talk about the fact that he he really hasn't missed a practice, maybe, a, 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 you know, a, a one or two here or there, right, over these last few years. And, um, you know, I don't like to hark back on, on, you know, his past life, basically, and what he continues to deal with in terms of staying sober and staying on the straight and narrow. And I wouldn't, but he's very proud of it. 
And I, I think he likes to talk about it because he wants to be a role model uh, in that regard uh, in so many different ways. Uh, he puts himself out there and puts his story out there and owns and wears um, the mistakes that he made uh, in his life. But Lincoln, man, it's another reminder and a beautiful reminder at that, um, or poignant, I should say. But, I mean, imagine what he almost surrendered. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. And, 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 and also, like, what we were almost deprived of. I don't want to be selfish about it from a fan's perspective or a media's perspective, but we almost didn't get a chance to see somebody that, if he stays on the track that he's on, is going to go down as one of the great tight ends in this game. He's got every ingredient that you need. And it just shows you sometimes how elusive life can be and frail life can be and the fine line um, that, that many of us walk on a, on a day-to-day basis. Well, it also shows me in a lot of ways, Vinny, is that you know life is life. It's unpredictable. And more importantly, you deal with your, 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 your circumstances the best you can. Because when you look at it, what Darren Waller went through to get to this point is a, is a great comeback story. You know what I mean? It's it's the, the Baltimore Ravens initially found his this young man, and then because he you know he couldn't he couldn't you know stay on the right track, they had to let him go, and the Raiders you know end up picking him up and giving him a second chance. But he, here's the guy who took the most of his opportunity and turned his life around, not only for the benefit of the game, because we had enjoy watching him, but for the benefit of himself. And that is a greater you know, a, a story of perseverance and awareness that, that, that anyone can tell. He turned his life around for himself, and now he's not afraid to share it. He's not afraid to share the circumstances of what he's been through or where he came from or where he is right now. And it's a great, you know, it's a great story. It really is. I'm so proud of him because he's a nice guy. Not saying that as a Raider fan or covering the Raiders, he's a, he's a good guy. And I want to see good guys do well. And he's one of those talents that is going to do well for quite some time. Uh, and, and, he, and I'm glad that he's a part of the silver and black. You're absolutely right. And, you know, when you do this long enough, you've played the game long enough, you're now on uh, you know, another side of things, although you get to, you get to know these guys uh, as well. It's, it's, it's apparent early on when you meet Darren Waller that, like you just said, he is, he's a class act, you know, and it's hard to believe it's hard to like wrap your arms around the fact that, you know, what he was dealing with in his past. But even that is a reminder, Lincoln, you don't have to be a bad person to get involved in, in like in, in destructive things. Um, you know, uh, and, and we all have, you know, or, or we're all susceptible to it is, is what I'm saying. And addiction isn't, always and sometimes never is um like like a a sign of whether you're a good person or a bad person we can all and we're all susceptible to getting sucked into something that's ultimately going to be our demise or or start pointing us into our demise and just thank god that he was able to to grab himself and get a hold of himself before um something terrible happened and he was probably pretty close much closer than He'll probably ever want to think about to that being the case, and and to see him not just turn it around, Lincoln. But when a guy says to you, "Hey, I've only missed a couple of practices in the last you know couple three years or so," that's commitment. That's wanting to be out there. That's uh, the, like you said, he's completely turned it around to the point where he's one of the most reliable people in that building. When just three four years ago, 
reliability and Darren Waller were, were, were a contradiction in terms. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. It is. Like I said, it's a great turnaround story, great comeback story, and I'm glad it's working out for him. And and what's what's great for all of us is just being able to watch him play. And and like you said, he's a good guy, so it's easy to you know to to feel good about that. I can't root for anybody, um, you know, in, in, in my line of work. Uh, but I can't say that I don't feel good for somebody, especially with an inspiring story like that. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we've got a pair of tickets to Dane Cook. Uh, the, uh, the the hilarious comedian. He's gonna I want to go. I come, how come oh. I can go? You didn't invite right. me, Vinny. You know what? You know what, Lincoln? Um, we're both working on it. Oh, on oh okay. All right, all right. We're oh, both shit. working Saturday night. Oh. So, uh, otherwise, I would have asked. All right, otherwise, all right, I would have right. asked, right. Lincoln. I appreciate um, it, brother. But, yeah, we have, we have our job to do August 21st, <laughs> Saturday at SoFi Stadium, which we're happy to do. Uh, but, yeah, uh, two tickets to Dan Cook concert, the seventh caller starting at 5 o'clock. Uh, at the top of the hour, uh, seventh caller beyond that uh, gets two free tickets to go see Dane Cook in concert over at the Cosmo Theater. You are in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Imbahadur. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. on a Thursday.